Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Well, welcome everybody. Again, we are glad you're here this morning and joining us. Uh huh. Meet and greets are, are kind of a tough time. I have a friend of mine who says it's like herding cats. You just can't get them back together after you let them go. Welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Trust that you're. The worship time was really good. Let's give the, the, the music team a hand here. That was really good. Yeah. Well, okay, a um, couple things. I do have a set of notes, and when we do these notes, well, at least I do those every week that I'm teaching, and uh, so I will do my best to make sure that you fill in the blanks as you go along, but there are some discussion questions there, and on the back, I provide the scriptures for you so that you can, during the week, um, follow along and, and uh, go back, and it's, it was fun. Friday night at our Bible study, the house church that we're doing, we... Um, we do these questions, and this last Friday night, I, uh, I opened with the first question, which was about sincere love. That's what Tom was talking about last week. That's what we do. We kind of go and dig deeper into the, into the teaching from the Sunday. And uh, so he, we went in sincere love, and we never got past question one. What a whale of a discussion that night. It was just so, I, I thought it was just so practical individuals who are dealing with individuals who've hurt them, uh, how do we set up boundaries in our lives, um, what does love look like, what's the, you know, what, what's the definition of love, and uh, so I actually had to kind of shut it down, <laughs> because we were getting kind of late, and everybody was like, oh, this is really going on, so, you know, if you have a chance to, to get the notes there, I'd like to encourage you to do that, and then, and then go through the questions. There's no way in the world Tom and I can cover everything here in about 40 minutes, you know, for the teaching. And so it is good to dig in. And I think the, the digging in part for us is that we want to move past transactional to actually transformation, where people are changing as a result of the things that they're, they're, they're being exposed to. So there's the notes. Um, my name is Fred, and uh, one of the other pastors here. I'm the elder pastor. So as, as Tom likes to make mention of that, um, I have more gray hair than he does, and uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, but there's a few laughs coming out of the audience, okay. Um, I just misplaced my Grecian gray, that's all I can say. So earlier this week, it's been a, <laughs> been a very busy week for us. My wife and I went up to Ship Shawana. We always go up there um, just before fall conference and we pick up a lot of supplies because it's cheaper up in Amish country. And uh, one of the things that I like to do, you know, she shops for groceries, and okay, that's not my thing. I just don't really get into that. Um, but I like to go around to the shops. And, and so this morning we're going to be talking about topic, who am I? And there was a, one particular plaque that Penny saw, and I, I picked up on it. And I also picked up a T-shirt on it, and we're going to see that in just a minute or two. But this has kind of got a double meaning to it. 
who am I, as, is, as in God stating, do you know who I am? And then we're going to talk about who am I, as in who am I? And uh, so here's some plaques that we found along the way. This is kind of fun. Some of these are really good, okay? Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is your future. Today is life. Live it. That's good. That's a good one. The next one, I'm not a hot mess, but I'm a spicy disaster. <laughs> now this one, I sent off to my son in Paducah, Kentucky, at a shop that he works at, and it suddenly hit the Facebook and went everywhere. So there was a few employees that admitted, yeah, okay, I probably fit that mess. So uh, uh, I don't know where that one's going to go, but I thought it was pretty good myself. Next one, all guests must be approved by the dog. Uh, <clears throat> I think there's probably a couple folks in our church that probably would use that one. Um, there's some smiles back there. And I, the one picture I didn't take was this one. It was, it was sitting outside Esh, and it says, you know, beware of the, and it wasn't finished because there was a big bite out of the sign where it said dog. <laughs> so that was really good. Next one. Noah was a conspiracy theorist, but then it rained. So that one's kind of, it's got a good message to it. We see a lot of conspiracy theories today, but in Noah's case, when it fell raining, it was definitely not, no longer a conspiracy. Next one. Aha. This is the one I think we're going to come back to and think about it a little bit. It isn't what you say, or it isn't what we say or think that defines us, but what we do. <sighs> Penny saw that, and she goes, what do you think about that? And so I looked at it, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a picture of that. I'm going to meditate on that one for a little bit, especially when I started to think about what we would be talking about this morning. Um, it isn't what we say or think that defines us, but what we do. Is that, a, is that biblical? Is that really a sound scriptural point? I think from a world perspective, yeah, that's true. What you do defines you, the workplace and those kinds of things. But I think when we start to think about it from a biblical perspective, a scriptural perspective, this is probably not true. And you're going to see why that is this morning in this passage of scripture that we're after. Now the next one is, I picked up a t-shirt. I was going to wear it this morning, but this thing is it's bright green, and I don't think it would go very well with this. But the message I wanted to bring was simply this. I have a t-shirt on this morning that kind of tells you who I am, in a sense, or who I was. It talks about Purdue University Residence Halls. That's where I worked. But I was going to put this shirt on underneath to demonstrate that what you see is not always the truth, not about what I really am. So I really am this. I'm chosen. That's from 1 Peter 2, 9. And then the backside of that is the whole verse itself. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own spe special people that you will proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So those are the ones that we're going to be looking at. Um, to, today's thesis is simply this. It is what Jesus says who you are that defines you. Let me say that again. It is what Jesus says who you are that really defines you. And it's all about who he is that really brings this all into perspective. And I thought about, you know, because the rest of it starts to talk about what is it that we really are all about. And the idea is to proclaim. 
proclaim. So last, last week, Tom had grow. This one, this week, is proclaim. But what are we to proclaim? That's what we're going to find out this morning. These two important truths. So we have, over the last couple of weeks, looked at messages that I call call to action. So Peter called us to holiness. That was the first one. Then the next one, he called us to a sincere love. He called us also to long for the word of God. Today there's another call to action. This one involves heritage. It involves identity. It's a call to proclaim. It's a call to act on what really defines you and I. So if I were to ask you this morning, who are you? I bet there would be a lot of interesting answers to that question. Some of you would probably say, well, I'm a student at Purdue. Well, that's what you do, but that's not really who you are. Um, I was a resident manager, a resident hall manager, and, but that's not really who I am. I happen to be a chaplain at Army ROTC department, but that's not who I am. That's what I do. Um, and you can go on and on and think about different things that you would probably answer. Like some of you might say, well, I'm Chinese. And you would be right. But is that who you really are? Is that what Peter's talking about this morning when he's talking about who, who are we? Um, you might say, well, I'm Brazilian. We have some people from Brazil here in our midst. And you might you'd be, be correct. But is that who you really, really are? Um, you know, for me, I have a uh, background, a denomination that came out of Europe. But is that who I really am? Is that my religion? Is that who defines me? I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways to answer this. Important thing is knowing who Jesus is, knowing who we are, is important to today's call. All right? So we're going to start looking at that one. And so here we go. That's what, uh, as we got ready for our cruise this summer, <laughs> Penny and I went to a, a cruise in July. Stephen Curtis Chapman said, here we go. We jumped on that boat and we were gone for, for seven days. Um, but we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and then we're going to go, here we go. We're going to really dig in and get after it. So I want to read this to you. I want you to follow along as I read it. As you come to him, a living stone. There's the first one that we're going to work with. That first point is who Jesus really is. He's a living stone. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Chosen and precious. Wow, I like that. You yourselves are, here we go, you are living stones. So Jesus is a living stone, and we're living stones. We're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, so this is an Old Testament, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Continuing with verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, that stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone. So it doesn't matter what we believe, it is still the cornerstone. But it's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But 
And this is the this is such a cool verse. Such a cool verse. You are a chosen race. You are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow. That's, those are some powerful verses. I know that I'm not going to be able to really dig in and get everything for you out of this. That's why I'm really hoping that you'll take the notes and, and, walk, and go home and start looking at those questions. And I'm not even sure my questions have dug into the real depth of this thing. Because this is an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. So let's just ask Jesus to join us here. Pray and then we'll jump in. Thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning for Peter's letter. Thank you that he addresses the things that confront and trouble us. I love that about the word, Lord. It never, never backs away from dealing with the stuff of life. Lord, thank you this morning that we can ask you that these truths would help us see who you are and who we really are and that you would share some treasure with us this morning some little thought that would really be a good challenge for our faith journeys. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we want to talk about three things this morning. Who is Jesus? Who we are? And then what it's all about, which is proclaiming. That's the call to action today is call, proclaiming. Maybe in a different way than you've ever seen before. So, number one, the living stone. I like this. It says that, you come to him a living stone rejected by men. But in the sight of God chosen and precious, Peter calls Jesus a living stone. The Bible gives us a lot of names for Jesus. Messiah, Savior, Redeemer, Shepherd, Emmanuel, Son of God, Son of Man, Son of, Man of Sorrows, and I Am, just to name a few. The conference yesterday, and we were talking about the fact that you know, oftentimes the knowledge of God is up here, but not down here. And, and what we came up with in that conference is that you know, the names of Jesus, Jesus becomes live when you grab onto that name of Jesus and you make it your own. So, like in this case here, when it says Emmanuel, that's God with us. Do you know that God is with you day in and day out? That's when it becomes real. It's not just a name up here, but it's a name in here. So I think that's really cool. Why living stone? I think perhaps Peter was thinking of this. There was this one day that there was this incident, event between Peter and, and Jesus, and they were talking, and, and Jesus said this. He goes, your name is Peter, Little Rock. Not Little Rock, Arkansas, but Little Rock. And my name is Big Rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build a church. So Peter is perhaps thinking of that as in this, in this situation here he's talking about. But it's interesting, you know, he calls him Little Rock. And he call, Peter rightly says, you are the Big Rock. The Big Rock upon which the church is going to be built. 
There's some good verses in that, Psalm 118.22. So if you're writing down some notes, you can do that. I'm not going to go to these. Isaiah 28.16, even Acts chapter 4, 10 and 12. Jesus is a living stone. This is who Jesus really is. He's living. He's alive. So in your notes, I put down there, he is alive and moving to draw all men to himself. That's what um, God says in Jeremiah 31.3. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you to myself. So God draws us to himself. He's alive, though. He's working. It's so evident. Um, yesterday at that conference, I wish I could share some of those things, but it was really amazing. We started talking about what's going on across the world especially over in the middle. But in South America, there's a huge revival that's occurring down there. And, and, and we don't hear about that stuff, but it's really, really happening. Jesus is on the move. He is alive. And he's alive in this place, and he's alive all around us. Question this morning, do you sense his activity in your life? Because that fact about his being alive should really impact your life as much as it impacts mine. I call it the wow factor. Am I really wowed by Jesus? Am I amazed by Jesus? We're going to come back to this wow factor in a few minutes. Jesus is a living stone. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus is not only a living stone, but he's also the cornerstone. So I found a picture on, online here where some church surprisingly grabbed a cornerstone and put Jesus Christ on it. And I'm not sure if that's what they really believe, but you know, on the other hand, this is a great message. It's a cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? Well, that's the crucial piece. When a foundation is laid for a building, that first stone is laid, and then everything is built around that. And that's what we're looking at here. Jesus is the cornerstone. He started the church. Everything is being built around him. So Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Why did, why did Peter bring that up? Because it says that the chief cornerstone was rejected. Rejected. Accepted, you know, by those who are following, but rejected by mankind mostly. And, you know, think about it uh, when you, you just realize, okay, Peter was writing to people who were feeling rejected, who were made, being made fun of, who were being criticized, who were being ridiculed for their faith. And so here I am, the sight of a Savior, a God, you know, a shepherd, whatever you want to call him, but he at least understands what I'm going through. He understands what you're going through today. So if you're in their shoes, who would you turn to? I'd certainly turn to somebody who's been there. Jesus knows what it feels like. He's been through it. He knows what you're going through. And I think this is interesting. He welcomes you and I to come and experience his love and support. Jesus is the living stone. He's my rock. He's my anchor. I don't know if he's that to you this morning, but that's my prayer for you is that he is your rock. You can turn to relationships. You can turn to your bank accounts. You can turn to a lot of things in life, but that's not the rock. That stuff can go away in a heartbeat. Jesus is my rock, my anchor in all of the things that I go through. Who better than a living stone 
who was rejected by mankind would be there for me. Jesus, I wrote in here in my notes, Jesus is a stabilizing force in our personal as well as church life. He has experience. Peter says, come to him. Why? Because the living stone, he's the living stone, and more than that, he's the living stone who's endured rejection. That living stone is relatable. Jesus is relatable to whatever you're going through. So don't hesitate for a minute to come to him because he's more than welcoming have you come into his, his orbit. So Jesus is my living stone, my rock, as well as my redeemer. But who are we? Who are we? That's a good question. Like I told you, I could have put that T-shirt underneath and then pulled it up and showed you, this is what I really am underneath. I'm chosen. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood and all those kinds of good things. But on the outside, you might say, well, yeah, he's a, he's a manager of a residence hall. But who are you really? Just one, and so I, I put down, Peter tells us some amazing truths about who we are. But here's one amazing truth that I came up with this morning before I came down here, so it's not on the slide or anything like that. But write this in your notes. There's one amazing truth, and that is this. The gospel, the gospel frees you from posing and pretending. You are free to be who you really are in Jesus Christ. So I don't need to put on a front. I don't need to have a mask. I can be who I really am because I'm confident who, who I am in Jesus because of what he says who I am. And we're about to find out what he says about us. So here we go. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter likens us to living stones. He's using this word picture, a spiritual house. I think he's referring to the church. The church is made up of a living stone and living stone. Jesus is the chief. So in your notes, here's what I wrote down. Those of us who are followers of Jesus are stones whom he has quarried, <laughs> shaped, and slid into place as part of his building of his church. Jesus reaches out to you wherever you're at. And you know, before you became a Christian, before you became a follower of Jesus, if that's what you are this morning, you're pretty rough. You're pretty, pretty much a mess, okay? And, and, and you just are not put together very well. And Jesus comes in and says, okay, I'm going to quarry you. I'm going to grab you out. And I'm not going to only just do that. I'm going to shape you. I want to hammer and chisel on you a little bit. Everybody felt that? Probably from time to time you have. Sometimes it's pretty unpainful and not fun. But Jesus quarries you and then he shapes you and he slides you into place in his church. And that's what this is all about. This morning you're learning about belonging. Belonging to a family. That's what I want to leave with. Belonging to a family because that's so important for us to catch that. We don't go this thing alone. We don't. So we're living stones. We're not dead. Ephesians 2.5 tells us that even when we were dead in our transgressions, made it, Jesus made us alive together Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're alive. Jesus is alive, you're alive. And you are 
in a spiritual house called a church, and you are part of a priesthood. Wow, what does that mean? You ever thought of yourself as a priest? Now, that's kind of a, maybe a denominational overtone to it. But scripturally, you and I are priests. Back in my hometown, there was one guy that was known as the priest. So he had a black shirt, he had a white collar, he had black pants on, black shoes. When he walked around town, we knew that he was the priest, okay? But this morning, I don't have a black shirt on, okay? I don't have black pants. I, yeah, I do have black shoes, but they're black tennis shoes, okay? And on Sunday morning, this guy would go to his church and he'd have his robes on, he'd have his big, huge cross around his neck and all that stuff, and so we knew what the, what the priest was doing, okay? But I don't have that. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I have on the outside. What matters on the inside. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you are a priest. I don't know if you've thought about that, but that's something to really, really catch. Consider this just for a moment. In the Old Testament, Israel had a priesthood. But that doesn't exist today in the sense of when you come to Christianity, you are the priesthood. Wow. So what's being a priest all about? It says here, spiritual sacrifices. What does that look like? Well, there's several things that you know Scripture mentions. One is our bodies, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. So it's making sure that your body is available as a sacrifice, as, as you know, something that Jesus is working in and through. Good works, praise, generosity, winning the people to Christ, Romans chapter 15, verse 16. So what does it boil down to? Simply this. Jesus has changed you in such a way that you have a spiritual influence to the people around us who are desperately needing to see that the gospel works. As I said a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again this morning, the gospel is important for people to hear it, but it's important too for the gospel to be seen. Be seen. Just watch the changes in the life that happens because they, they, they'll hear what you say, but they want to know that it really works. That it really works. Does it work out there on Monday morning in, in, in class? Does it work out there on Monday morning in your lab, in your office, in wherever you're at? Does it work? If it doesn't work, then why would we want to market it? But I'm here to tell you today, it works. It definitely works. But that's just part one, telling us that we're living stones. Then he goes down to the first part of verse 9, which is really pretty cool. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is who you are. This is who we are. That's one of the things that really got me this week as I was studying this. Is this oftentimes I can think about this in just myself. Okay, I'm chosen. I'm a royal priest. Yeah, okay. Hold on, now. But really, it's, this is plural. You and I, all together, we are chosen. All together, we are a royal priesthood. All together, we're a holy nation. All together, we're a people for God's own possession. This is a community thing to see. So when you walk forward with the call you know, to action, it is we. It's not just me. Certainly you and I need to think about this, you know, that we are like this. 
But it's interesting, you know, Peter starts to make the case of how you deal with rejection. You don't deal with it by yourself. You deal with it as a group. And that's what's really fun. Because when we start to think about we together, you know, that strengthens the stand that we're going to make. It's going to make our spine a lot stronger. If I know that I'm about to face something, you know, from someone or something, that I know that if I look across this group this morning, that, you know, Maureen's got my back. Austin has my back. Greg's got my back. That's what we're talking about. We do this together. So we're chosen. We're chosen. Our deepest identity is, as Peter states, this is in your notes, is that we are chosen. We are a priesthood. We are nationally the same. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are now, you, you might be a Brazilian citizen. You might be a Chinese citizen. You might be you know, some other citizen. But the primary citizenship you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you are in the kingdom of God. And that's, a, that's really an important one. We are nationally the same, and we are God's and no one else's. Truth. We are not part of the world that is ridiculing, rejecting, and criticizing and making fun of our faith. We're not part of that. But if we don't see this truth this morning here, it's easy for us to fall in with them and go, well, okay, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to lose my job. There's a lot of things that can happen with that. We haven't got that part far in this country, but eventually there are some people that are losing jobs because of their Christian stand. So here's just a couple of thoughts. Chosen. Israel was chosen, but they failed in that, ch in that choice. They failed as chosen ones. So now we are the chosen ones based on his love and his grace. We're a royal priesthood. So Peter said we're a priest, but we're royal. We belong to the king, and it doesn't come through a bloodline. Okay? <laughs> we are born again into that. We're a holy nation. We have a nationality. We're holy. We're separate from the rest of the world. Our allegiance is in heaven. Israel, as a nation, forgot that. They were also a holy nation. But today, we are that holy nation. We don't want to be given up what so much that God's given to us. They lost their spiritual heritage. We don't want to lose our spiritual heritage. Holy means to stay separate. You can be in the world, but not of the world. And that's really important for us to catch. We at one time belonged to Satan, but today, that's all changed. If you're a follower of Jesus, you now belong to God. Paul says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify us for a people of his own possession, zealous for good works. So we're living stones, we're chosen, we're royal priesthood. Ones who treasure Jesus as chosen as we are and precious to more than anything else this world can offer. Lastly, called to action, called to proclaim. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. 
You haven't received mercy, but now you receive mercy. We are called to proclaim His excellencies because people around us are in the dark. They're spiritually dark. Don't be shy, instead shine. Put that in your notes. Don't be shy, instead shine. Shine His excellencies. What are that? What, what are the excellencies? Here's what I thought. Um, the word literally means above and beyond. It means over the top. That is who my Jesus is. So listen carefully to this. The Lord kind of just shared with me some excellencies out of the Gospel of John. It's called the seven signs of John. Okay? So number one, John chapter 2 tells me that he's a creator. Whatever he touches is good stuff. It's really great stuff. God don't make no junk. Okay? So when Jesus touches your life and my life, good things happen. I'm not saying that we're going to get away from being rejected or anything like that, but I'm saying that the God of this universe, when, when Jesus touched that water, it turned into wine, and it was the best wine that they'd ever had. So when Jesus touches your life, the, the touch of the master, that's what I thought about, the touch of the master, when he touches your life, he makes good things. That's excellence. That's what the world around us needs to hear. What they make is pretty much second rate. Jesus makes the best. John chapter 4 tells me that my Savior is not race-based. He's grace-based. There were several times when People came to Jesus and said, hey, heal me, or do something for me. And he goes, hey, you're not, you're not Israelite. You're not Jewish. I was called to the Jewish nation, but he still overlooked that and touched their lives. My God is not race-based. Our world's full of race-based people, but not, but not Jesus. John chapter 5 tells us that he sees our infirmities. He looks over, overlooks them. So when he walked in and he saw this guy had been laying there for 30 years, he was not stymied by that at all. Reached out and touched that person. So to, today, no matter what you've been through, where you've been, how long you've been at it, Jesus is still capable of taking care of you. That's an excellency that's awesome. John chapter 6 tells us that he sees our daily needs. He wasn't, he wasn't stymied by 5,000 feet. He touched five loaves and two fish, and boom, he was able to feed that whole group. John chapter 6 tells me that no matter what happens, this is the case of the walk on water. My Savior walks on water. He overcomes a lot of things. No matter what happens, God never blinks. You and I might blink with a challenge and a difficulty, but God never blinks, never. My Jesus walks on water. He overcomes anything that you and I are facing. He's excellent. John chapter 9 tells me that Jesus is aware of me, even in a huge crowd. Bartimaeus was crying out, and they were all telling him to shut up, and, and he, he really had a need, and, and Jesus stopped. He heard Bartimaeus, out of all that crowd, that noise that was going on, all the chaos happening, Jesus heard him and he stopped. 
That's my Jesus. That's excellent stuff. No matter where you are, residence hall, somewhere here in this community, today, no matter what you're up against, my Jesus knows your situation. Knows that. And then John chapter 11. This is the case of uh, Lazarus. This one really gripped me. Because I, I was, it was pointed out to me a week ago or so, two weeks ago, by an acquaintance of mine that, you know, Jesus went there and Lazarus was dead. But my Jesus was weeping with them all. Even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he could have just said, hey, don't worry about that, guys. Hey, stuff it. Don't, don't, don't be crying. But Jesus wept with them. Jesus weeps with you and I. That's excellence. That's really where it's at. He comes alongside of us and weeps with those who weep. So, I think of these biblical examples and I go, that's my wow factor. Oftentimes, I think, you know, you and I, we lose the wow factor. We just kind of start to read the stories and, the, oh yeah, okay, I read that one before. And it has lost its luster. Please, this morning, go back and think about Jesus in the light of some of the stuff I just shared with you. Maybe the things that Jesus will share with you even more than I've given to you. I want us all in this church to have a wow factor of our Savior because that's what's needed out there in that world. Is Jesus is amazing. He is awesome. Grab that wow factor. I think what happens is we... We lose it because we lose an attitude of gratitude. We forget to say thank you, Jesus, for all the stuff that you do. So, my hope this morning is that all of us will not shy, but shine. When you're out there, in this world, walking around day by day, there's people who probably want and were looking for somewhere in those seven signs. They are. So you and I have been chosen to be a part of God's special people. We've been given mercy. Nothing that we deserve. It's all God's doing. So one final thought this morning. That is this. You and I are special. Yes, Jesus is special too as a living rock, but you and I are special. And we don't want to forget that because if we do forget that, then it's easy for us to just grab that rejection that's coming and give in and cave. I don't want to see that happen. You and I are special. We're chosen. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a possession for God. Awesome. That's really pretty neat. Just let that sink into your heart. Let it sink into your heart. Um, we have a very special family. That's what I think. We have a very special family. We're all chosen. All of us are part of what we just described there in verse 9. As I was <clears throat> given some thought, closing this out, so on that cruise that we went with, is the, the couple that was hosting that was the, was the Chapmans. 
and, and they've started a, their 11-year-old daughter got them into this, <laughs> started adapt, adopting children. And they actually started a, a foundation to adopt children. And their whole thought was, well, well, we'll adopt, you know, a couple and it'll be great. And I think as of the time of the cruise, it was like 14,000 children who have, you know, didn't have a parent, didn't have a place to stay, and I often had lots of health issues, you know, were, were found a place to stay. They found a home. They got adopted. But here's the thing that gripped me as I thought about that. Since 33 A.D., Jesus has been running an adoption agency, and every one of us that are followers of Jesus here this morning, you have been made to be part of that. And that's way over 14,000. <laughs> you are special. Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you, and he gave you a lot of special stuff. Go out and proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of his darkness into the marvelous light. Lord, we are grateful this morning, so grateful this morning, that you have chosen us, that you have made us these special things. But Lord, it's not to be kept to ourselves. Lord Jesus, help us not to shy, but to shine. Not to shy, but to shine. We'll give you the praise and thanks, God, because you are such an excellent Savior, an excellent Redeemer, an excellent Shepherd. And Lord, we want to declare that to everyone around us. That's who you are. That's who we are. And we give you thanks, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.